Kia ora, welcome to the Catch Podcast where we discuss issues that affect missional communities and church plants. I'm Scotty Reeve, I'm the head of the Catch Network um, and I spend my life helping missional communities and churches to renew themselves. Kia ora, I'm Jazz, I live in community here in Wellington and I'm also a law student. Uh, Scotty, why are we here? Yeah, why are we here? Well, we are really lucky here in Wellington and Te Whanganui Atara to be surrounded by people with an enormous amount of wisdom and experience creating communities like the ones we're talking about. And uh, late last year, I started thinking about all the concepts we take for granted here. And every time I thought of one, I wrote it down on a notepad. And by the end of the year, I had 70 concepts written down. And so our desire really is to grab some of the great things we take for granted that we talk about all the time and to share those with a wider audience. And I've invited you, Jazz, to join me. Why are you here? Well, Scotty, you're a 37-year-old man and I'm a 20-year-old woman. So I guess I'm here to offer the perspective of my generation, but also to ask some questions that maybe our listeners would be wondering. Yeah, exactly. So the reality is that uh, sometimes I get talking and you'll hear I go for a while and sometimes I miss things or I say things which um, you may not agree with. And so Jazz is going to be the voice of reason here in the room for my rants. Is that right? Hopefully. We'll we'll see. (laughs) Awesome. Cool. All right, let's get into it. For a lot of people listening to this, there will be a sense that actions are a really important part of our faith. For people who get involved with catch or missional communities, it's because uh, we think that just thoughts and prayers aren't enough, that we actually need to embody what we believe. We need to embody that in our neighborhoods. And you know, James 2.26 says, just as the body is dead without a spirit, faith without works is dead too. And I think sometimes we lose how intense that metaphor is that actually like in the same way that when we you know I'll go to my daughter's cot at night and um, I'll just check that she's breathing or I'll prod her face and see if she reacts and it's like her movement is the evidence that she is alive Um, this is the same thing that James talks of when he says how do we know that a Christian is alive how do we know they're still breathing it's because they do good acts it's because their faith manifests in deeds otherwise they're spiritually dead and so that's that's super important. Actions are super important. But I think for some of us, sometimes in our circles, we also need to be reminded that there can be certain dangers to doing good as well too. And what I mean by that is uh, Jesus said in Matthew twenty twenty eight, he said, I came not to be served, but to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. And I think that's meant to be our posture too, that we come to people not needing to get something from them, but intending to pour out the life we've been given for them. And yet, I think there can be a number of different subtle ways in which there is a danger to doing good where what appears noble or appears to be in the service of others actually becomes bound up with serving a need that we maybe don't realize we have within ourselves. So I want to look at three of these just quickly. And the first of these, I can remember a few years ago, I had a friend who I journeyed very closely with. They had some different issues around addiction, and it resulted in a few of us for a few months months basically being up most nights a good part of the night hospital visits ambulances lots of chaos going on and we just kind of ran ourselves into the ground to to try to rescue our friend really and there was something like 
beautiful looking in that and something quite noble. But it was a few years later when my friend was in rehabilitation and they sent me a letter and in that letter they said this bold thing. They said, I know that you love me, but sometimes I couldn't help but feel that your well-being was attached to my recovery. Mm. And I was like, oh, that's so rough. But what they'd noticed is that, um, and, and it was true, was that because I was staying up all night, because I was pouring myself out for this person, mm. um, I therefore felt that there was some kind of transaction where they needed to do better. Yeah. And obviously, this is a vulnerable person already feeling struggling, already with enough expectation and critique on themselves, you know, in their own internal world. And then they're feeling from a person who's supposed to be supporting them the sense that they need to provide something to me. And so the first thing I think sometimes where we don't come to serve but to be served is when we go and we do good work from a place of it needing to meet our need for worthiness. Um, So good works turn poisonous when they're really meeting our longing for love and acceptance, when they're maybe meeting our need for progress, and whether the good work we're doing is actually about serving a need we have to feel okay in our own skin. Mm. So that's the first one, is doing good becomes dangerous when we're serving our need for worthiness. Secondly, there's this passage in Luke 18, 9 to 11, where Jesus talks about these two men praying. And he says, he tells the story, and he says, two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee, and the other was a despised tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer, I thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Cheaters, sinners, adulterers, I am certainly not like this tax collector. And that sounds really full on. Like, I don't think any of us could imagine standing in church on a Sunday or missional community and during the prayer time saying, Thank the Lord, I am not like my really selfish flatmate or something like that. But then, if I am really to interrogate my own heart, and I think if many of us did, we could probably reflect on moments where there's been some form of a liturgy in us that has said, Well, thank God I am not like that Trump voter. Mm. Or thank God I am not like that oil company exec. Or thank God I'm not like those conservative Christians or something like that. And in this, there's a need to differentiate, for our good works to differentiate us from other people. Mm. And I think when we feel the need to define ourselves against one another rather than defining ourselves by who we follow and what we're for, it's often a tell that our good works are actually serving a need in us to find a sense of righteousness Mm. or a sense of betterness. So the first thing, serving our need for worthiness. Secondly, serving our need for righteousness. And then finally, serving a need for a tribe. I feel like sometimes the conversations I have with people, particularly in a city like Wellington, is sadly there is almost no differentiation sometimes between their political allegiance and their following of Jesus. Mm. And very much sometimes if you were to compare the theology they have of Christ and the political ideology they have of uh, left or right or whatever, they fit very comfortably together. Yeah. And I feel like it should be very concerning to us if we are able to vote too comfortably and find Mm. any political ideology or movement or party too comfortably fitting with the way of Jesus. I think we get into this this difficult place where we realize we're not 
actually in a living, breathing relationship with God anymore, asking what he thinks about things, asking what she thinks about things, asking what our next step should be. But we kind of get into an ideology where we're like, well, I know what God thinks because I mm. read etc. books or mm. because I'm really engaged with this theory um, or because I study this. And I just think of those words of Jesus from John 5.19. I tell you the truth, the son can do nothing by himself. He does only what he sees the father doing. Whatever the father does, the son does also. There's this thing of Jesus who is part of the Godhead saying that he does nothing without a conversation with his dad. Mm. And I think there would be a good challenge to some of us to look at the good works we're doing and to see to what degree they anchor us in a tribe and offer us a sense of belonging, but actually to the point sometimes where actually an ideology has become enthroned above the God that we follow. So I think those are the three dangers of doing good, serving our need for worthiness, serving our need for righteousness, serving our need for a tribe or an ideology. Just to finish this one, um, I want to imagine that we're actually sitting with someone in this moment who is suffering with some really intense stuff, who is needing love, who needs to be held, who needs to be served. But as we go to them, we look like it's the noble thing. We look like we're serving but we're actually at a deep level seeking to earn our salvation through them. Mm. We're spending time with them to assure ourselves that we are really better than other people, and we're actually kind of using them to fortify a set of beliefs that make us feel at home in the world. And when I think of that, I just think of the words of Paul from 1 Corinthians 13, if I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. And I can't think of any more clear definition of not having love than to go to someone in need and ask them to meet the needs that I have. Mm. And so the reality of this is we are human. Mm. And so when I talk of this, I recognize all three of those desires in myself. And I recognize that this is not a reason, therefore, to do no good. Mm. (laughs) We have to keep doing good, keep living into the values and the culture of Christ's kingdom, even as the stuff lives within us. But we have to get a little bit honest with ourselves that Mm. sometimes the things that appear noble are not nearly as noble as they are. And to wrestle with these places where we're actually looking for um, those who have very little to give us something in return. Mm. I don't know, Jazz, have you seen this be present or is this stuff you recognize in yourself or in the culture around you at the moment? Yeah, I mean, interestingly, I've had conversations around all three of the points you just raised with some of my fellow youth leaders and flatmates in the last few weeks. So it's, yeah, totally been topical for me. And uh, I did actually have a conversation with a flatmate the other day where we were just saying, you know, we're just so much better and more generous and compassionate than our fellow law students. I mean, they just study law and for what, to get rich? I mean, we're giving our time to the poor. We're so much better. So yeah, I definitely see this in myself. Um, another conversation that I've had recently that comes to mind was um, when me and another youth leader, uh, her and I were talking about some of our higher needs young people and kind of the conversation almost came to this point of like, man, they they really need us. They really need our help. And there's just something so wrong about that in retrospect where, of course, we need to respond to the call of the Holy Spirit, but it's it's Jesus's work. It's not our own. Yeah, I I think you're so right. eh? And it is just so human condition to seek for our worthiness, our righteousness and our belonging in anywhere but God, eh? Mm. To um, find that in our work. And I think that gets particularly messy for 
people who their work is around people who are super vulnerable, eh? Mm. And I think it's also just a tricky tension as well, trying to, I guess, articulate to other Christians who are maybe on the other extreme where they're quite maybe passive in terms of mm. issues mm. of you know injustice and politics, mm. and then trying to find that balance of again responding to vulnerability and mm. need in our community mm. and not becoming consumed by the idea of political affiliation or our identity being in politics and activism mm. yeah yeah totally because we do at times say in, in declaring truth and justice you actually do have to say sometimes some things are not right mm. and some things are right eh? so yes. you do have to differentiate but I guess it's like how do we speak truth to power um, in a way that cares about change rather than through a need that is fortifying our identity eh? yeah for sure and I think all throughout my childhood and even now but just I, I've always been so critical of just super contemplative kind of Christians just right. being like how do monks just pray all day that seems so wrong and how do like hermits just sort of go away <laughs> to the mountains and think they're doing God's work but then the exact same argument can be made of Wellingtonians like myself who are just constantly campaigning for something and then where is prayer in that yeah, you know yeah. and so that's a really good place for us to finish this week because um there is another part to this and some of you are probably feeling like oh my gosh i am so complicit in all of this but in our, our next section we're going to talk to the other side of this in the way that god can heal our hearts This has been the Catch Podcast. You can find out more at www.catchnetwork.org.nz. See you next week.